several years ago, uh, Paul Koistra, our director for Mission of the World, announced at our General Assembly that he was soon to be retiring, and they were looking for his successor. Over the course of the next year, they were unable to find someone uh, to fill that position. And so Dr. Koistra was forced out of that retirement to serve for another year while they continued to look for a, a replacement director for his position. Uh, the story goes, and I know Lloyd will not um, speak of this, but as the regional director uh, living in Cambodia, um, all of those that were on his team voted against him taking this position because of their love for him and their desire uh, for him to continue to be part of that team. So it's a great privilege uh, to have someone who, at such a young age, um, has respect of so many and has had such a powerful ministry and impact in missions. So we're very excited to have him come to preach to us and uh, to serve our denomination, Lord willing, for many years to come. So, Lloyd. I think the story really goes, they they finally found someone foolish enough to actually take the position. So (laughs) it took them a long time. It's been a delight for me to be here with you and uh, to worship together, uh, to share in the fellowship that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. I feel like uh, the love of Christ has been lavished upon me uh, by the missions committee, by those whom I've met and been so encouraged. And so I just, again, personally now, on behalf of our family and myself, want to thank you again for the kind invitation and um, the love that you have shown me in Christ. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to our passage this evening. It also comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We will be looking at chapter 6, and I'd like to read from verse 5, if possible, uh, through verse 10. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 10. This is in the context of the Lord's prayer, and I'm going to be focusing on verses 9 and 10, but I'd like to give some context To that passage. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 10. This is God's very own word. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Turn with me once more to our Lord for his blessing upon this time. Father, we ask for your spirit again to lead us in reflection upon these words. Help me, Father, by the power of your spirit to speak your message to these people, your people who are here today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
we were doing our family devotions one night, and as often as we do uh, our devotions, we pray the Lord's Prayer, and it was my turn to lead us in that. And I had said to myself before I prayed this prayer, don't just pray it repetitiously, pray it very thoughtfully. Be intentional about the things that you're saying to perhaps model it to my children as they have opportunity to also pray this prayer. Well, I got to about the third phrase in the prayer and there was a pause. I had forgot the next line. And so the kids started giggling. I think I must have been tired that day. And they just had a field day with me after. Good job, pastor. (laughs) Missionary, coordinator, don't even know the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) Now, I've always thought it was ironic that Jesus teaches his disciples not to pray repetitiously or mindlessly. And then teaches us a prayer that we often what? Pray repetitiously and mindlessly. Well, this passage that, we've exam- that we're examining tonight comes in the context of Jesus. Uh, comes in the context of Jesus' disciples simply asking him, how shall we pray? And after teaching his disciples how not to pray, he gives this model prayer. And what is presupposed in this prayer is a completely different way, really of looking at life and looking at our relationship with God. And so Jesus does not want us simply to utter this prayer mindlessly, but to adopt the worldview, to adopt the set of values, the kingdom perspective that this prayer assumes. And you see, it's this perspective that helps shape our sense of purpose and direction in life And it informs our understanding, our collective call to world missions. And so tonight we'll be looking at three phrases in this prayer. The first is the opening address, our Father. Second is, hallowed be your name. And finally the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is this first thing that we pray? We pray, our Father. Our Father in heaven. And you see what is presupposed is that we have a relationship with God as our Father. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus speaks against the hypocrites who prayed in order to be what? To be seen by men. What was their problem? They didn't have a genuine relationship With God as Father. Even though they were religious, the religion didn't go beyond cultural practices. They were just acting as if they knew the Father. And so, what we must recognize before anything else is the fact that we cannot engage in any meaningful way with mission, or for that matter, have any lasting peace or joy in our life unless we have a relationship with God as our Father. Much of our striving in life, whether we are conscious of it or not, is really a striving to reconnect with the one who has made us, to reconnect with our Creator, with our Father. And so this prayer assumes that we have a relationship with God as our Father, 
that perhaps there are some here even tonight who do not yet know God as their father. And I'm speaking particularly to the young people here in the church. You see, having a genuine relationship with God as father is different from growing up in the church. Different from knowing all the right answers. Or even saying the sinner's prayer. Having a genuine relationship with the Father is only possible by the power of His Holy Spirit changing us from the inside out. It's a spirit that convicts us of our sins, not just bad things we do to others, but sinning against Him who has made us, who's created us. It is the spirit that leads us to repentance, that leads us to true faith and helps make sense of the Bible. And it is the spirit that fills us with the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It is the spirit that guides and comforts us in life He adopts us as the children of God so that we can what? Cry out, Abba, Papa, Father. And so I ask you, do you know the Father? One of Ernest Hemingway's short stories tells this story of a Spanish father who decided to reconcile with his wayward son. His son had run away to the big city of Madrid and this father was unable to contact him and was thinking how he might reconcile with his son. And so he had an idea and that was to put an ad in the paper, the El Liberal, hoping perhaps that his son would read the paper and see the ad. And so he writes in this ad, Paco, that's his son's name, Meet me at Hotel Montaigne, noon Tuesday. All is forgiven. Papa. Well, Paco is a common name in Spain. And so when the father went to that square, he saw 800 young men named Paco (laughs) waiting to reconcile with their fathers. Hemingway strikes a chord in our hearts with this story. What child does not want to be reconciled with his father? What child does not want to be in good fellowship with his papa? If this is true with our earthly fathers, how much more is it true with our heavenly father? The Gospel of John tells us that all who receive Jesus, those who call upon his name, believe on his name, will be given the right to be called the children of God. All of our prayers, all of our religion is worthless if we do not have a genuine relationship with God. And so if you have not yet received Jesus or called upon his name for the forgiveness of your sins, don't wait another day. Turn to him in faith and repentance. Our Father calls us to come to him. And he writes to us in the gospel, 
All is forgiven. Love, Papa. The second phrase assumes that our life purpose is not to hallow our name, but to hallow God's name. It's not about our reputation, but it's about God's reputation. Not our glory, but, but God's glory. You see, the Pharisees and scribes prayed in order to be seen by men. What does this mean? They were more concerned about their own reputation, their own name. They wanted others to speak well of them or to hallow their name, give worth to their name. But Jesus tells us that our orientation in life as the children of God is to hallow not our name but his. And so we see most clearly here in this prayer that we exist to honor, to glorify, to build up the name of our God rather than our own. But how hard is it, beloved? (laughs) Um, This past year, we had a missions conference on the West Coast, the first mission to the world mission conference on the West Coast ever. It was in sunny San Diego and and San Diego has a special place in my heart, I think also in, in uh, Pastor Jeff's heart as well, uh, a place we once called home. We lived in San Diego for several years. It's there where I went to seminary. I served in the presbytery. It's where my wife went to medical school and did a residency where we had our first child. And so finally I thought, I'm going to go to a place where people will know my name. And so I go to the mission conference, and of course, um, they had asked me to speak. And so I go to register, and, I, and they asked me, well, what's your name? I said, well, my name's Lloyd Kim, fully expecting them to recognize that I was one of the speakers, but they didn't. They just crossed my name off the list and handed me a packet. <laughs> After one of the worship sessions, I came up to the worship leader, and I thanked him. I said, uh, was really encouraged by your service. Thank you. And he said, oh, thank you. Um, What's your role here again? <laughs> I was miffed. I said, well, I'm just one of the speakers and kind of coordinate things, you know. <laughs> Finally, the last day, I was running a bit late, and I didn't have my name tag on, and I was rushing into the sanctuary, and someone stopped me and said, did you register? <laughs> they thought I was trying to freeload. <laughs> Needless to say, God was telling me something about my own preoccupation with my my name you see Jesus teaches us to pray hallowed be your name but we often live out the prayer hallowed be my name but you see this phrase also has a very strong missions thrust for when we pray this prayer what are we asking we are asking that God would make His name hallowed. The reason we go is because the nations are not not yet hallowing the name of our God. And so we pray that all those who do not know the name of our God, from every tribe, from every tongue, and from every nation, would come to know him as Father and would hallow his name. Amen. The final phrase we will discuss this evening is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
What would be the opposite? My kingdom come. (laughs) My will be done. This is what Jesus was speaking against when he criticized those who would pray repetitiously, thinking that they would be heard for their many words. What were these people trying to do? They're trying to manipulate God to giving them what they want to promote their will and their agenda. Our Lord wants us to orient our life away from our own personal agenda and kingdom toward his agenda and his kingdom. This is what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Christ. People have often asked me, Lloyd, what is your vision? What is your vision for mission to the world? I often respond, for me it's very simple. My vision is Jesus' vision. I want to see what Jesus wants to see. And what is Jesus' vision? His vision was the coming of the kingdom of God. What did he preach when he came? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. How does he teach us to pray? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' vision was to see God's rule and reign extend to the ends of the earth. He wants to see the heavenly kingdom come to earth. And this is, beloved, not simply a prayer for his second coming, which we certainly desire, but a prayer that the power and presence of God would be known here on earth as it is in heaven. And what does this kingdom look like? You see, in any kingdom, you need citizens. And when a person repents and believes in the gospel and submits to Jesus as king, the kingdom advances. And when the church lives out the ethics of the kingdom of heaven, submitting to the Father's will, God's rule and God's reign is here on earth as it is in heaven. And when those from every tribe and every tongue and every nation come to worship God as Father... The kingdom of God has come. This is a vision of our Lord Jesus. Is it our vision as well? After a speaking event, a young college student came up to me. And uh, she she thanked me for the message. uh, But then she went on to share how just a month before her mother passed away, She started crying. She said it was an accident, something that could have easily been prevented. Through her tears, she shared how she herself had given herself to Jesus just a few months before this. And how she just simply couldn't understand why God would take her mother away from her. But then she said, but now I realize he wants everything. even my mother. And I'm okay with it. I looked at her and I said to her, your faith and your submission demonstrates God's rule and his reign in your life. And I see the kingdom of God here. Thank you for encouraging me in my faith. Our Lord teaches us to pray that God's will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. In heaven, there are no tears, no sorrow, no sickness, no injustice, no corruption, no abuse, no brokenness, no sin, and no death. And so we are praying that Satan's kingdom would be destroyed. We are praying that the gospel would go throughout the world, that the church would grow in grace and holiness, and that Christ's reign would extend to the ends of the earth, and that he would return in glory. We pray that those who are lost in hopelessness would find hope, and that the glory of God would fill the earth. Beloved Jesus teaches us to pray this way because this is how he himself prays. Jesus prays our Father. You see, he considers us his brothers and sisters, our Father. And Jesus prays, hallowed be your name, while his own name was mocked and ridiculed. And Jesus prays, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and then establishes this very kingdom by submitting to the Father's will. Remember how he prayed in the garden after asking that the Father might take the cup of bitterness away. Breaks down in praise, yet not my will, but thine. What did it mean for Jesus to pray this prayer? It meant that he would willingly give, willingly sacrifice, willingly submit to the suffering and pain of the cross. He gave up everything for the kingdom. And he calls us to do the same. What are the implications of this kingdom prayer? The implications are that we would live wholeheartedly for the kingdom that we would submit to our king, that we would seek to advance his will and his name above all else. And you see, this is where missions comes in. Our great commission mandate to go and make disciples of the nations is a means by which the kingdom of God advances. And so if we want to see this vision of Jesus come about, we need to take seriously our missions sending, supporting, and going to the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. You see, every dollar spent, every prayer lifted up, every person sent or project supported for missions testifies that the kingdom of God is real. It declares to the world that we submit to a living king who rules heaven and earth. And it bears witness that the kingdom of God has come And that we seek its advancement here on earth. And so, beloved, if I can humbly encourage you, please continue to support these missionaries, these servants of God who are making disciples here and to the ends of the earth. Continue to give your own members, your own sons and daughters, and not the ones you don't like. (laughs) Give the ones you like. Don't give us the troublemakers. They can stay here. Send your best. 
Send the ones you love. As a father has sent his son. And if I can encourage you to even begin praying, is the Lord calling me to go and be an ambassador for him and for his namesake to the ends of the earth? Beloved, let me just close by asking this question. What is your vision? May our collective vision be that the nations would call upon God as their father and that they would hallow his name and that his kingdom would come here and that his will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray these prayers so often and we pray for forgiveness for the repetitiously way that the repetitious way that we often pray these prayers mindlessly, thoughtlessly. Help us, Father, each time that we do pray it to think about this kingdom perspective, this kingdom charge that you have given us. Enliven our hearts, O Lord, to submit ourselves to you and to live for your kingdom and to live for your will and your desires above our own. We need the power of your spirit to do this, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.